You're listening to The Influencer Podcast, episode number 16. Last week's episode took us behind the scenes of the mega-successful brand Bobble Bar with its co-founder, Daniela Yokobovsky. Daniela shared tips on brand growth, the best tools to use to target your ideal audience, the importance of engagement versus scale, and what an influencer must do to get noticed by a major brand. In this week's episode, writer and influencer Don McCoy shares how she went from Barbara Streisand's assistant to a mega-social media influencer and how she grew from zero to over 250,000 followers, and what it really means to brand yourself. Welcome to the Influencer Podcast. Each week, Julie Solomon, a marketing strategist and New York Times bestselling publicist, takes you behind the scenes with successful influencers, bloggers, and industry elites in conversation to share how they engage, persuade, and grow their unique influence. Her mission is to share exclusive insider tips, wisdom, and action-based tools to help you strengthen, monetize, and build your own industry-leading influence. Hey, Influencers, Julie Solomon here, and welcome to this week's episode. Today, we get to explore the world of an influencer who really defines what it means to brand thyself. She is someone who could never be put in a box or a corner. Not being labeled as one thing is something Don doesn't really demand. She just simply commands it. Don McCoy makes a living, well, just by being who she is. And that is a true creative. Don is an influencer who wears a few hats. And by a few, I mean a few dozen. She is a host, a public speaker, a social media influencer, a writer, content creator, social media branding expert, write, actor, songwriter, editor of the blog, Donspiration, and host and producer of Dine and Dish with Don, her celebrity interview show where food, wine, and giving back are the focal points. As a social media influencer, content creator, and brand ambassador with over 300,000 combined followers on her social channels, she has become a nationally respected tastemaker. She has partnered with Moe to design a room in the famed Christopher Kennedy compound and has also partnered with LA Food and Wine Festival, Comic-Con, so many others. Additionally, she is a frequent guest on Dr. Oz, Hallmark's Home and Family, Access Hollywood, Extra, The Real, and more. As a voiceover actor, you can hear her as the voice of Diet Dr. Pepper, Pandora, Radio, Hampton Inn, Marshalls, Target, the list goes on. And of course, a proponent of doing such good. She was the official spokesperson and global ambassador for Unite for Good in 2015 and is currently an ambassador for No Kid Hungry and Dress for Success. Last year, her hashtag Dear15Me philanthropic social media movement was a feature on The Real. Dawn lives here in LA with her Maltus Miss Ellie, who, by the way, is also a brand and a dog fluencer, in a place called Casa Texaca. Because obviously you can take the girl out of Texas, but you can never take Texas out of the girl. Please welcome our fabulous guest today, the multi-hafinate, multi-passionate entrepreneur, Don McCoy. Hi, y'all. Hello. <laughs> now, what an intro. I'm like, wow, you poor thing. You didn't even get to breathe. It's fine. It's, you know, you can just put me in your pocket and take me everywhere with you and I'll just pop out and yeah, yeah. <laughs> say that as we go along. I think I'm blushing right now, but it's because it was so, you know, it's a lot. Oh, well. And out there, everybody, I'm surprisingly not um, split personality. It sounds like that's a very split personality <laughs> description. But no, you are, awesome. you are a multi-passionate entrepreneur. Which <laughs> yeah. I love. And now, you know, so Don and I connect on many things. We, we were, uh, you know, honored. I was honored to get to meet her earlier this year and really kind of put a face with the name because I felt like we 
had known of each other or like had a lot of mutual friends for a really long time. But Don did live in Nash Vegas, Tennessee for quite some time, which as you guys know, that is where I'm from. So we did, of course, initially connect on our Southern roots, um, but we're able to kind of touch base at some influencer marketing events and then got to go to Napa together, which was fabulous. But I want if you, yes. And if you, Don, could just kind of, you know, just start this off on exactly who is Don McCoy? How did you come from Texas to now LA and doing all of those amazing things that you have done in the middle to make you this fantastic influencer? Well, I think it would probably take us five hours to delve into all of it, but I'll give you the, uh, the abbreviated version, which is still not that short, my friend. Um, I, okay. So I grew up in Dallas, Texas. I went to Episcopal School of Dallas. I went to Hendricks College for two years and then the middle of doing that where I thought I was going to end up going to law school and being a, an FBI profiler. So I thought I'd be going to law school and joining the FBI as a criminal profiler before there was NCIS or CSI or anything like that. Um, I ended up going to Texas because in the middle of that, I had the realization from reading a book called Reviving Ophelia by Mary Piper that I wasn't really honoring what I most wanted to do, which was to be an entertainer and a creative. So at the time for me, that was just acting. Um, I, I moved to Texas. I, I back to Texas. I went to the university of Texas at Austin. So I went from this small liberal arts school in Arkansas where I had had like internships with under, um, well in relationship to the Clinton administration and stuff like that. And ended up going to the university of Texas where I was like in a sorority and like, did that whole life. And yet also was like dating a producer and, um, doing a lot of acting stuff and all that. So I ended up moving to California in 2000. Is that right? Yeah. 2000 show my age. And, uh, the long story short is I came here, I wanted to be an actor. I, I really, I mean, all my friends, I was like, so together and so organized. And I knew what I wanted to be and everything. And I had, I think a, a teacher just tell me, you know, you need to lose like 10 pounds. And it really did. I don't know. It was like the one thing I needed to give me an excuse not to do what I really wanted to do, to be really honest. So I kind of froze, which is like, you know, I think we all have that fight, flight or freeze. And mine is usually to freeze in that situation if I get scared. So I ended up working for Bruckheimer Films, Jerry Bruckheimer. And then that was such an amazing experience. But I ended up um, actually pretty much being fired because there were two people having the same job and they were way better at it than I was. I was like Miss Social. Uh, And then from the people at Bruckheimer, I ended up working for Barbara Streisand. And I was her personal shopper for like, let me think, I think it was three years. And then, um, in the middle of that, I was also a country singer. So I was singing like at the Roxy and hotel cafe. I like was one of the opening acts to ever open a hotel cafe and, uh, had a band called Hawkeye. We made a record. I ended up moving to Nashville, which is our Nashville connection. Yes. Um, and I moved there because Barbara Streisand had introduced me to, um, the vice president of Sony records and I had a meeting with them. Oh, no big deal. No big deal. Every day. (laughs) But she was such a good supporter and she loved my music. I remember the first time she heard me sing, she goes, you can sing country, girl. And I was like, oh, well. Thank you, Barbara Um, Streisand. Thank you, Barbara Streisand. Can I get that as an endorsement, please? I I actually had that on my resume. I'm not kidding. In 2009. 200%. Yes. That's amazing. (laughs) Talking about marketing. So um, I moved to Nashville. I pretty much... I got to sing in the Opry. I got to do like the summer Opry series. So I sing twice the Grinnell Opry. I made my own record indie because I did not get picked up by Sony. And it was around the time that American Idol had taken off with Carrie Underwood. And um, my career did not. So I ended up making a record. I was actually, I think I've told you this, but 
I love Nashville now. I have so many good friends there. I could live there and be very happy. At the time, I was actually quite depressed. Mm-hmm. I felt like this failed musician. I actually p- pretty much played more in Los Angeles than I did there. I never played there. I played maybe like once a year. And I just got, again, I froze. So gosh, this is a theme. And I didn't even plan on this, by the way. Um, I didn't think of anything for this, by the way. So you're getting me totally raw and unedited. But I froze again. And so then I froze and I didn't really promote the record, even though we put, you know, God, $15,000 into this record, $20,000. And I just kind of froze again. And, um, and there were various reasons why that can be another conversation. But uh, the one I remember offhand is the photographer had altered my picture to where I looked like almost like a brat doll. Like, like I had this Karen Elson dress that she, you know, she had this awesome vintage store and mm-hmm. I borrowed the vintage uh, ball, like prom dress. And I had like a plate of cupcakes on the front. I mean, my aesthetic hasn't changed a lot, but I remember the photographer edited it where I looked like I had a very thin body and like my head was normal sized. And for some reason, I think deep down that kind of made me go, Oh, should I not be doing this either? Like, mm-hmm. am I not good enough to do that? So that was my natural experience. Uh, my boyfriend at the time, and I ended up moving back to Los Angeles. I ended up working for Barbara again, which I don't know if you've ever had to go back and do a job, but it's not the best feeling to go back, like, you know, and do a job you've already done. Mm. Cause you think you're going on to go tour across America. And right. Probably so, humbling. Humbling. Yes. And of course in my world, everything does work out for a reason. And I learned so much in my five years total working for Barbara. And, uh, I started, I started a blog after that boyfriend and I broke up after seven and a half years. He's still one of my best friends, by the way, mm. but, um, yeah, we, uh, I basically fell apart. I really was depressed. I really broke apart and, uh, I really didn't know what I was going to do. I felt like I was a failed singer. I was a failed actor. I was a failed relationship person. And I was like 33, like, what am I going to do? And, uh, I went to Dallas, which it's nice to go home for the holidays. And I was really depressed and I was looking, I was like reading self-help books and I was going to church and I was doing all this stuff to try to get me together. And I'm not really quote a church goer. Like I'm not someone who like goes to church every Sunday. And I was just looking for an answer anywhere I could find it. And I went home to Dallas and my best friend since 13 was like, Oh my gosh, you're just like, you know, a percentage of who you are. And, you know, we've got to like, make sure you get on the right foot and, uh, I, I, I started, and this is kind of where it goes to everybody else. That's my story. Enough of that. But it's like, I realized what makes me happy? Where do I get my joy? What is indicative of who I am as a person? What are my passions? What delights me? What excites me? That kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was working for Barbara still. And I would, during my lunch breaks, go on Pinterest. I'd never read a blog before, but I decided I'm going to open a shop where there's beauty. There's like blowouts and makeup and, and cupcakes and cocktails. And then I was I wouldn't like, want that. <laughs> Come on. this is like kind of right when dry bar had started, you know, this wasn't like, Oh, another place. It was like before Blushington and all that. So, um, I was like, oh, I don't have capital. So I started a blog and the blog was called Beauty Frosting and Beauty Frosting, it, it did, it did well. Um, but really it was that people would start inviting me to events and I'd have people like PR people and, um, brands say, you know, we just like you as a person. Like, so it became clear to me early on. It's like, you know, I'm a good writer. Like writing's a skill for me, but I'm more of a people person. So as much as I would love to talk about products all day, it's more about 
you know, well, and that's a little side thing too. In Nashville, I worked at Woo Skincare and Cosmetics and I sold makeup. And I had been a makeup artist for Trish McAvoy. So that's another chapter. So I'd always love makeup. So it was beauty, baking, and lifestyle. And uh, that's kind of what started this whole thing that is now, which is just, you know, I say I live my life on a page and I do get to live my life for a living. And I feel very grateful for it every day. And it has been a long trajectory. I'm turning 40 in November. So it's a very long trajectory. My friends, as creators, we work so hard creating our content. So we don't want to leave it up to things like an algorithm to determine how successful our online brands and businesses can be. And that is why I love Kajabi. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs like myself build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. And I know they can help you too. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, your passions, your experiences into enriching offers like online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, communities, personalized coaching, and so much more. What I love about Kajabi is that not only does it make it super easy to use, but they don't take a cut of your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. You don't need a huge audience to make a sustainable income online. I talk about that all the time here on the podcast. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures without having hundreds of thousands of followers, and you can too. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business. Go to kajabi.com slash influencer. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash influencer. Go to kajabi.com slash influencer and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. My friends, have you ever thought that you have done the hard part? You have started your business and you have taken that leap from belief into really stepping out and claiming a vision for yourself. But you know that if you want to make money doing what you love, you need other support. You need to grow. You need to scale. You need a marketing strategy. You need a lot of this stuff. Now, of course, I talk so much about these things, right? Like how to identify your target audience, where to find them, which marketing channels to focus on. So you're really making the most out of your budget. And of course, how to use things like data to set goals. But there's another great podcast that I love out there that also talks about this stuff. And it's called This is Small Business. This is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon, answers so many of these kinds of questions. Whether you're dreaming of starting your business or you're looking to take a part-time side hustle full-time, or maybe you're a few years in and you're ready to scale. This is Small Business is going to give you the practical tips that you can start using today. And I know that if you love these topics on my podcast, you're going to love them on this one too. Make sure to follow This is Small Business on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you don't miss these fantastic episodes. And a big thanks to This is Small Business for sponsoring the show. And with all of that kind of said so beautifully and eloquently, is there anything that you now... I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like looking, looking back on that and knowing what you know now... Do you see those moments that, like how you describe it, like freezing, do you see those as being kind of the tipping points or the triggers that really kind of forced you to follow your brilliance and really do what you wanted to do? I I even say this about days. It's not just, uh, it's not just moments that are big moments like that, but there, you know, if I have a really terrible day, which I had a really terrible day on Saturday and 
usually when I have a really terrible day, it is followed by a really awesome day. So whenever there's a bad day, I know a good day is like right around the corner, if not the next day. And it's the same with, you know, it's the same when it comes to life. So those moments, and, and I have said this in numerous public speaking things. So I'm so sorry if any of you have heard it and you're like, Oh, this again, but I kind of found the best way to describe it is this. When I break apart, when any of us break apart, it is the most beautiful moment for this light to be able to shine in because when there are cracks in you, that's when light can shine through, you know, that's when everything can get through. If you're always together all the time and nothing ever cracks apart, well then you just already have what's inside there. But when you break apart, and allow this light to come through. Yes, it can be darkness too, but if you allow the light to come in and you're open to it, then it can end up being in a huge opportunity and jumping off point, one which you may have never expected. Mm-hmm. So in my situation, absolutely. I actually read something recently about you and your husband on Instagram. That's not creepy at all. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I think you said something, and I think I even mentioned it to you, that it was like, you guys had both kind of like given up on love or something. And then you're in Nashville at a bar and you meet, you know, the person you end up marrying. Yeah. So inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of crazy how that happens. And especially because you think like the situation that you may be in, whether it's a relationship or a job or whatever that is, it's like in that moment, you think like, this is it. Like this thankless job or this like relationship that I just, I know in my core that I'm not supposed to be in, but like here I am (laughs) doing it, you know, and you feel like you're never going to get out of that cycle, you know, but I always call it like following your fear. And I love that you call it, it's like you kind of followed your freeze out of that. And it led to all of this beautiful, you know, this beautiful brand that you've really kind of established for yourself. And I would love if you could kind of share a little bit more on how that happened. So, you know, it's like you, you sussed out the Pinterest, you got to the blog, and then how were you really able to cultivate the relationships that you've been able to, to cultivate and really kind of become this influencer that you are today? Well, you know, I actually, I love some of the questions you ask, you know, on this show and just in general conversation, because a lot of people want to understand like how to, to do this, but you have to understand that when I started, there wasn't like any doing this. I didn't know what I was doing. I just was like being me and trying not to fall apart at the seams. So I thought I'd start a blog. Um, Cause that's what you do. You know, it's like when there's a massive life change, like you start a blog, that's what people in LA do. (laughs) It it really, you know what I've realized lately, um, my friend Stacy Stanifer and Tim Nichols, um, they are an awesome couple. She's like such a Nashville powerhouse. She started Nashville Lifestyle, you know, magazine. And then Tim has co-written like every country song you ever loved. Yes, I Including love like Live Like You Were Dying. Yeah. Um, but I went to stay with in their place in Destin. And she told me on the way down, she goes, now listen, you don't have to post anything. Just take a few days off social media. You don't need to do anything. And I had my phone out at one point to get a picture. And she goes, put that away. And I said, you don't understand. For me, this doesn't work. Like if you tell me to put my phone away, I actually, I know you're wanting me to relax and enjoy it. But the truth is, and this kind of goes back to the blog starting when I write, that is how I process emotions. That is how I process feelings, um, about other people, about places, about times in my life. So even like my Instagram posts today, which we'll get to, they went through their own, you know, evolution where it started out not being, you know, the lengthy blog post that it is now on Instagram that literally now just goes straight to a blog. Like I do my Instagram post, I write what I'm feeling. 
I don't schedule it. I do it on, on the, on the lamb. Um, and I write down, I always call it getting hit or like it goes through me. I write mm-hmm. down what I'm supposed to write. I don't usually fabricate anything unless it's like, if it's a strictly sponsored post, well then it's like, okay, is, does this product speak to me? And is it something I like an 8.5 or above? And do I have a story with it? Because there are plenty of people that approach me about products. I mean, marijuana, for instance, where I'm like, that does not probably jive with my life because I don't do, I, I, I don't do that. Right. So, but cannabis, it's like, people are like, oh yeah, there's budget here. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to be able to do that for you because I'm, I'm a wine girl. So <laughs> wine all day. Um, but it's, it's kind of, it's interesting because that is the way I process. So if I feel something, my way of emoting and handling it is writing it down. And I know you know this, but you know, I was kind of robbed on Saturday by my dog groomer. And even in that moment, it was so interesting to me because the way that I was processing it so I didn't just fall apart while I was talking to the police and everything was, what am I going to say about this later? What am I learning right now? What was this kid that I saw take all my stuff? What What is he supposed to learn in this situation? What am I supposed to learn from this situation? Mm-hmm. And how can I be sensitive to both sides of that? Because I can't, and everyone was like, you weren't even angry. And I'm like, oh, I had some angry feelings for sure. But what I realized is, is there's probably a bigger picture to it. What you said earlier about making choices, kind of like being at that precipice of I can do this or that. I actually saw this happen with this boy where we're standing on a street in mid city LA and he sees me and I say, please don't. And I beg him twice, like almost crying, please don't take this, please just leave everything. And he looked at me and made eye contact and we had this energy exchange this moment. And he decided to go anyway and take everything and go on his bike. And in that moment, I was like, he just set a path for himself. And I don't know if it'll be for good or bad. Maybe it's, maybe he realizes after this, like, man, I never want to see a person look like at me that way again and beg me to stop. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's that he becomes a criminal. I mean, I don't know what his story will be, but I realized there was an exchange there. I was supposed to have it. I don't know why right now, Mm -hmm. but that was a pivotal turning point probably for both of us in different ways, because I also think we reflect each other. So like, you know, like you having me on your show, whatever I have people on my show, I usually choose people that I, they're a little bit of a reflection of me or it's something I either want or it's something that I don't understand about myself. And it's something I want to connect with more. And I think the universe constantly gives us people like that in our lives. For sure. Even, even with like struggles and expectations, I feel like, you know, because there's so many times that you may be working, you know, with a brand or with a colleague or what have you. And there's, you know, they have they have their kind of pretenses and their precedents and their expectations. And then you have yours. And sometimes those things align and sometimes they don't. Right. But it's really, you know, it doesn't mean one person's right or wrong or the other. It's that that's really kind of it's not even about that, but it's really more about like, okay, what can I take away? What can I learn? How can I grow? And how can I make this experience the most authentic experience that it can be? While at the same time, still respecting my boundaries and the viewpoints of that other person. I don't have to agree with it. I don't have to like it, but I can at least try and, you know, see it for what it is. 
Well, and that's, that's beautifully put. That's exactly, that's exactly right. And I think I, to, that kind of got away from your question. I'm sorry, my answer, but no, uh, no, it, it really, it, it doesn't because it, and even with that moment of like freezing or like following your fear, I think that a lot of that has to also do with like, that's a reflection of essentially what you're seeking or what you want to know more, you know, what you want to know more yeah. about or what you may already feel connected to. Yes. And I think, you know, when I, when I chose to do that blog, it came from a place of brokenness. I didn't know what to do. And I thought, what will make me happy? And I had lots of time. I was like, I have tons of time so I can kind of just, I want to concentrate on what makes me happy. So I started the blog. Um, I wrote every day I had a blog. This is actually fun. I think this is very pertinent to your audience out there. What was so funny to me is I guess I've always had chutzpah. I've always had a little bit of like, I don't like talking. I hate talking about money with people and I hate talking about, um, like I don't, I don't love, you know, as much as I do sell myself for a living, I don't love doing it in terms of like when I have to like put it all together, I'm like, Oh gosh. But when I first started the blog before it was even up, it had a placeholder page and I had branded everything. I knew I wanted it pink and green and I wanted it all this. And, um, and the way I chose that, by the way, this might be interesting too, is I actually sat down and listed all of the things I love. And it was like, I think I still have it in a notebook somewhere, pink, green, cupcakes, wine, uh, decor, parties, party planning, holidays, um, pastel. Like it was just like me, you know, brainstorming on the things I love. I like polka dots. I mean, literally it was like everything. And then on the other side of the page, I wrote down possible blog names. And that's where I got beauty frosting because I had about 10 finals. can't remember what any of the other ones were, funny enough. But mm. beauty frosting was like the thing. And so I would write, you know, every day. And it was always, it was from the heart, but it was also like, I hadn't read a lot of blogs. So I did try to like, I looked at like five maybe. And around that time, the gifts were given, right? That we don't expect um, I was offered a job. I was doing voiceovers pretty much full time at that point. So I had left Barbara's the year before, and then I was doing mostly voiceovers, but I could still use some extra money, you know, cause I wasn't, I mean, you never know, you know, in the creative world, like, am I going to make my rent this month sometimes? So I took a job for noise, New York, and it was a marketing agency. And we had the client Tresemme. That was our main client. And I had this awesome girl, awesome, awesome boss named Nami Scott. And Nami and I would sit at WeWork in Los Angeles for four hours a day, five days a week. And that was my job. And we would talk about social media, which was still kind of this new thing at this point. So this was like 2012. And we would talk about social media. And I remember telling her, I'm like, man, this Instagram, you guys are putting a lot into Instagram and like focusing on these people. This is a flash in the pan. This isn't going to (laughs) last. I actually told someone that. I told someone that. And then of course now it's like my living, a lot of my brand has been developed on Instagram. So I, I just think it's so funny. Whenever you say something that definitively, I almost can guarantee you you're usually proven wrong. Yeah. Whenever you're like, I will not do that, it's like you probably will. Right. Or like <laughs> words like, you know, that never happens. Right. That, you right. know, it's like right. Mm. Oh, um yeah. but and I love, you know, kind of how you really defined a lot of that for us and you went into detail of that process because I think that the whole process of really figuring out who you are as a brand and how you can share that with your audience is so important. And it really goes back to the authenticity of you as a brand because one of the 
One of the biggest questions that I always get from either listeners of this podcast or students from my course or readers from my blog is, you know, um, they always hear like, you know, well, you just have to be authentic, you know, make sure you're authentic. Authenticity is what's going to get you that deal. Be authentic to get the media coverage. And then they always come to me and they're like, okay, that's great. So how do I be authentic? Like, what does that mean? Because like, I think that I am and in their mind and in their soul, like truly what they're putting out, they, they, they do think that they're being authentic. It's like, you know, well, I love fashion. So like, of of course I'm being authentic if I'm being a fashion Mm -hmm. blogger or I love makeup. So of course I'm being authentic if I'm trying to force myself to do these YouTube beauty tutorials. But what I always like to say to kind of peel that onion back a little bit more is like what you said, like, not only do you like parties, but you like party planning. Okay. For me, I may like a party, but I don't like to plan it. Like I may like, I may like going to a party. I may like to make a reservation at a restaurant for my friends, but the process of actually party planning is so, you know, detailed and, and can be such an overhaul that like, you really got to make sure that you like that process to be able to say like, I love party planning. Not only do I want to do it for a living, but I want to blog about it. (laughs) So I think that it's like, you know, just because you love fashion doesn't mean that you're being authentic to your brand by being a fashion blogger just because you love fashion. I think it's, you know, what's interesting. I didn't think of it until now. And when, you know, I talk, I love it because you handle things from a, a, a brand identity and business level. And I love, you know, my favorite thing to talk about when I'm with a, a group larger than five is kind of like finding your personal joy in life. And I feel like those two things really do um, coinc- coincide and work together well, because what I'll say is authenticity sometimes can be confused for voice. So, you know, being authentic, you can be authentic to you, but, and, and I'll give my own background story of that too, but I think it's really finding your voice. I, I meet with people. I try to do this thing, especially recently, because I was saying no a lot to people who were like, can I pick your brain? Can I pick your brain? Because mm-hmm. honestly, I finally got really like, okay, I'm a little overwhelmed. I'm, I'm busy already, but then yeah. oh, doing like, this. No, you can't pick my brain. It costs too much. <laughs> well, and it's, it's also like, you know, I do a ton of work with charities. Half my life is brands and half my work is with charities, right. like in nonprofits. And that is something I never meant. It just happened. I won the community service award in high school, not to brag, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. But I did win it. But I, I've always thought that was part of my life. You know, I just always knew that was part of it. But um, and I will go back to that in a second about authenticity with that. But what I realized is I really want to help people, but I couldn't do it every day. And I also realized like sometimes people think you're the bad guy if you say, you know what, I actually don't have time right now this week. But what I'm trying to do now is like one day a week, I will meet with one person and whether it's like mentoring them in this, or if they have questions or if it's like a young brand and they want help, And I call it like a service breakfast. So it's like, just like I might, you know, donate to a charity. If I have somebody reach out, I had a girl recently who I'm meeting tomorrow for breakfast and I don't know her very well. Um, but she said, you know, my family isn't supporting me in my dreams and I'm in my thirties and I'm, I'm really lost and I'm really in need of a female mentor. And you hear that. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm going to help you. I'm going to totally help you. Mm-hmm. Like absolutely. So we go to breakfast tomorrow. We'll go to La Provence at 9am and I'll sit down with her for an hour and a half and I'll, I'll talk it out with her. And then I did it two weeks ago and I did it last week. And it was like, that's kind of a new thing where I'm like, I've got to set aside time for that because that's paying it forward. And as much as I'm working with charities and all of that, like the truth is, is 
mentorship is so important and it's not just to like the girls I work with at step up or dress for success. It's like, it can be your next door neighbor. Mm -hmm. And I really think it's an energy exchange in that too. So when you put that out, I always say, I never expect to get anything back when I do something nice. Right. Never. I I just, it makes me feel good. That's all. I mean, and, and anyone who says they do something out of the kindness of their heart and that's it. I don't know if I believe them because there is something you get, you get a spark, you feel good, you cry, you have emotion. It makes you feel alive. So you are getting something back when you do something nice. Right. But that going back to the voice and authenticity, that's what I'm saying is sometimes a lot of these conversations I have with people start at, well, I really want to be an influencer. I really want to be a blogger. I really want to be a YouTube star. And I'm like, great. What do you have to say that's different? Right. Why? And (laughs) I said, because the truth is if you're going to do what someone else is doing, there's no, you've got to find the hole. So like, if you can't find a hole, then you have to create one Mm -hmm. and you have to like make your own passageway. But I will say too, that we have enough people saying these are cute shoes. And we have enough people saying, I love this lipstick. Mm-hmm. Now, we'd love to hear your perspective on it. But in my personal, the way I follow people, like, unless it's like me following a brand or following a friend or something, the people that really inspire me and delight me and will, you know, I will make time for in my perusing of social media, it's if they inspire me, it's if they have a new outlook or vision in terms of even photography, like, you know, outlook, vision, if they're introducing me to new things, if they're speaking to my heart, if they're speaking to my needs, I mean, and the way that you do that is get past the surface vapid stuff. Mm-hmm. I have no time for the vapid these days. No. I'm, I just don't. And that, and I don't know about you, but, um, my, you know, I really had a turning point as a quote influencer, which is before we even called it that it was when I was a blogger. And, um, I, I, st- I was in Palm Springs and I was at a friend's part. What well, was that? Like a blogger friend's party. And I was so, so excited to be invited. It was like my big moment today. And I actually will say who was it was Kelly go lightly. It was Kelly go lightly. Nice. And, um, I was so honored to be invited and I was so excited and I was there and the party was awesome. It was so great. It was such a good group of people. And then I went back to the hotel and I went to sit in a hot tub and there were some other bloggers there that like weren't part of that situation, maybe a few that were, and everybody was talking. And I actually, for once was not, and I was sitting there listening and they were talking about expensive shoes, Botox, cellulite, fat freezing, men that would take care of them. I'm trying to think what else, but it was all of this stuff. And eventually my head was like swelling. I just was like, Oh my God. And I got up from the hot tub that same day. I had had, I'd met Ross Matthews and he had put up a video of me doing my Marshalls commercial. Cause he said, Oh my God, I love it. It's the Marshalls girl. And I did the voice for Marshalls, which was like never pay full price for fabulous. <laughs> so I did that. And I remember I felt, you know, like, I think as women, you understand this, we don't wake up and go like every day, man, I look cute. Like that no. is not when you do, you're like, you remember. Oh like, yeah. I felt cute. But I remember I felt cute. I felt like I looked a little like Priscilla Presley. And I was in this vintage swimsuit looking kind of thing from L space. And, um, they had sent them to us. That's how I remember, by the way, I'm actually not that into fashion surprisingly, but all of these comments on Ross's thing were about, I hope this is okay to say in your show. We're about Say my it. saggy boobs. <laughs> like how my boobs 
how like maybe I, I couldn't pay. What is it like? The, the tagline was never pay full price for fabulous. And yet they're like, well, maybe she can pay full price for a bra. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm in a swimsuit. Like, Jeez. but I remember it really hurt me. And then going into that hot tub that night, the combination of those things, it was like a perfect storm. And I went up to my bath because I take a bath every single night for sanity. And I went up and took a bath in my room and I cried. And I, and I literally looked up to the heavens and said, this is not going to work for me. We got to change this. Yeah. <laughs> and it was really, it, I'd only been probably blogging uh, for a year at that point. And I was like, this is so vapid. This is not who I am. I'm in my mid thirties. This is like going to suck my soul if it's like this. But that's kind of what made you really show your true authentic self. It's like, okay, I'm not going to play this, you know, like surface superficial game of like this advertorial. Hi, here's my shirt. Like (laughs) to know it. Hi, here's my lipstick. 30% off at Nordstrom. Hi. You know, it's like, what, what service does that provide? And really at the end of the day, you know, when you, when you think of the idea of selling, of selling yourself or selling a brand, are you kind of being the voice for a brand and selling their products through you? It should always be a service and not a sell. Yes. You know, I think that's the, I I think that's, it's, it's even in the language. Like I will say this too. It is very helpful to be a good writer on social media. I, 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 it's something that I really, I don't read things that aren't well written. Mm -hmm. I just can't. And a lot of people are like, I don't want to read a novel on Instagram. And I'm like, well, I do if it's good, if it's going to inspire me. Yeah. And if you're not a good writer, keep it really short, but (laughs) hopefully say something beyond love these shoes so much. This is so cute. Um, you know, I think some somebody who does this really well, I think, is I am Fashion Lane. She has such a a distinguishable a distinguishable brand and identified brand. She's so young. Uh, it's all about rainbows and color and brightness and light. And you know, she's another one. She actually asked me to go for coffee, and she's like, "Can can we go? And can we like hang out? And can I just like chat with you about some things?" And she publicly went through a similar thing that I went through. And she basically was at Coachella, and she's there, and she's like seeing all these girls taking pictures at Coachella, and she's like, "This isn't who I am." Like, yes, I wear cute outfits, and yes, I love fashion, but like, there has to be more than that. So she did a post about it, mm-hmm. and she said that a few people said, "Why are you, why are you talking about this?" I think her sister was like, why are you, why are you talking about this? They don't, no one else is wanting to read this. And I actually think she got a huge, you know, a huge new audience afterwards because she did say, gosh, you guys, this is like, we're not even like here except to take pictures. Like this is really yeah, silly. Is, does anyone even know who's playing behind you right now? I mean, like, right? You know, I mean, and that's the thing. I think I know I, I did a post on rebranding and how like I wasn't going to be in that rat race of like doing that kind of stuff anymore. And it was the most highly trafficked blog post I have ever received. Sure. And I think that that really, you know, going back, cause I, I want to talk about the critics and how you handle that. But, um, before we get into that, I want to say that the, the true testament to know, to knowing that I think for listeners out there that you really are following your true calling, your brilliance, your mission, your, your purpose, whatever you want to call it, is when you do start to get that resistance. You know, when you do start to have these people, you know, sure. these critics come up or these people say, oh, no, you know, I don't like that. You know, I don't, I don't like her in that bathing suit. 
It's because it's, you know, again, it's a reflection of them and they see something in themselves with that photo or with that piece of content that you've, that you've written. And it's kind of like a hot potato. They don't want to deal with it. So they just want to pass it back off to you or to someone else. And they do that with spite and meanness and anger and jealousy and all of those kind of negative things that we can, you know, cultivate in our own brain. And sometimes it's not just strangers. Sometimes I will tell you my first, um, bounce back actually was from friends and family saying you post too much. Cause I used to post God help me four times a day. Mm-hmm. I don't even know where I read that or where I thought that was cool. I think uh, we did too. that for Tressa May. Yep. You did too. Yeah. yeah I and mean, it's, and it's, well, it's they, engagement. Don't it do is. And the affiliate, you know, the affiliate companies said, well, you have to post three times a day and uh, you know, uh, and they, they brainwash you to think that that's what you're supposed to do. Yes. Well, my, my family and friends all were like, it's too much. And you know, and my <laughs> engagement was way down and very different. Um, because nobody cared that much. I mean, Insta stories has helped a lot too. Cause now we have a place to share those daily, like everyday moments. And I share on that Insta stories has been a game changer for me. So I, I use those like nobody's business. It's also a wonderful way to say thank you to brands because I really hate that sometimes I'd be like, you know, if I'm not being paid, I'm not going to post this unless it's something I'm just like dying about. Cause I love it so much. Right. But now I love Insta stories because I can show these products and say like, thank you so much for sending this. I'm actually really behind right now. So if brands are listening, I have a whole stock room in my office of packages. Um, but it's, it's a great way to have manners because to me, the big thing on social media, which I also talk to brands about, you've got to have manners. Like it's so, it's so instrumental in who you're going to be on social media or who you're representing you've got to have basic manners. So like if you're a brand, for instance, and you're not commenting back to somebody, even to say you can't comment or something, well, then it's just, it's ill manners and it's going to hurt people's feelings and you're going to have people feeling negative about your brand. Mm-hmm. It's, so. it's totally true. And how do you deal? I mean, cause we just talked about kind of like, okay, so we know where the critic where the critic comes from, you know, and, and, and I think honestly, when people unfollow you, when people are doing those things to me, I actually love it when someone unfollows me on my newsletter, because I know that like, I'm repelling those who really don't get me and who don't want to be there and who don't want to soak up what I have to say. So I'm like more power to you. Cause you're just, you're making more space for the people who really do want to be here that I can oh, really yeah. attract. Um, but I want to talk about that a little bit about kind of repelling and attracting. And when you do get, those critics? How do you, how do you handle that? Well, you know, it's actually been a new thing for me. I, I, and except for that one experience, that one experience, I actually never thought of it as critics because it was such a game changer in the best way for me. And it really did set me on a different path where, you know, it was, it was a new path that was much more me and, and much more authentic. Um, but I, I've learned two things. First of all, you know, they tell us, like, if you've ever read like the four agreements or your parents or anything, it's like, don't take anything personally. Right. It is so hard not to take things personally, especially when your whole brand is tied up and who you you are personally. Um, but that's the first thing is it's like, it, it often does not have much to do with you. It's, and, and the one thing I learned from, I've done a lot of I mean, if you told me three years ago or whatever that I was going to one day meditate, I would have laughed at you because I'm like, I don't sit still. What are you talking about? But Kelsey Patel is an awesome teacher and she had taught me kind of, she does Reiki and she does meditation and all those California things I love. And she told me once, and I know it's a common thing and I think like various worlds, but you spot it, you got it. And I tell people that all the time. So for instance, if someone out there right now 
let's, I'll use me as an example, just because I don't want to use like a celebrity or something. So let's just say you go on my Instagram and you're looking at my feed and you're like, man, I love who she's working with, but it really makes me angry. And I'm going to unfollow her because I kind of get a little like jealous of what's going on. Mm -hmm. Or if you look at it, and worse to me than that, because that I'm like, well, you're protecting yourself. Worse than that is if you look at what I'm doing and you're like, I'm so sad. I'll never get to do that. How did she get that? How did she get that? Why, Why can't I? I? Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I always say you spot it. You got it. I was so close to Barbara Streisand and I never, ever felt jealous of her. I just felt motivated and it inspired me every day. It didn't mean the job was never hard. It just meant I felt inspired because I was this close and I knew I could have it. And Truly, my mom will like, tell what you, an honor. What a oh gift. My God. And you, know? you have to think of that with everything. Like with Instagram, the best way to use Instagram, it's all, it's all aspirational lifestyle, really. Because we don't know what's going on in each other's lives, you know, every moment. I don't know your marriage. I don't know your children. I don't know your home. I don't know if that one picture you're putting up of your perfect house is really just one corner of a room and the rest is like a pigsty. Yeah. I don't know. That's probably what mine is like right now. Yeah. Um, but mine too. I have a toddler. Look, <laughs> right, right? I don't. I have no excuse. Um, if, you, if you look on Instagram, though, and then you have those feelings, what you really have to do is think, you know, well, if, if I spot it, I can get it. You spot it, you got it. So if you see something in someone else, if you get jealous, if it comes up, it's usually because it's something in you, A, that you have and you're not recognizing, or something in you that maybe needs to be cultivated more, or it's something in yourself that you have and you don't like it. Because mm-hmm. I have definitely gone, I've, and, and my mom will tell you, I've never been a jealous girl. I wasn't jealous in high school. I wasn't jealous in college. I don't really compare myself a lot to other people because, um, I mean, I don't mean never because that happens. Believe me. I like look at Beyonce and I'm like, yeah, man, like, what's that? Um, how did you do that? But I don't, I just don't think of it as a negative thing. I think of it more like my mom will tell the story that my friend Sarah used to look all these acting jobs when I first moved out here. And she'd be like, does that ever bother you that Sarah books all these acting jobs? And I would take champagne and flowers like every time she books something. Mm. And my mom's like, you're such an oddity. Like no, no girl is like this. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm so excited for her. Yeah. Like it makes me happy that she's happy. Right. And, and my mom's like, just know that people won't always do that for you. And, and I'm that's, like, that's oh. not why you were doing it. Like you no, said, I didn't like, do it for a return. Yeah. I mean, it would be, it would be great if, if that, you know, if that's how people treated you when you, you know, landed something great. But I mean, you were just doing that because you genuinely were really happy for her. And I think that that yeah. you hit on such a great point of just not taking those things as such negatives. Cause I, I don't know. I think that just in this age of comparison and in this age of just all this information that we're fed at such a fast rate, where everyone's so quick to get defensive, you oh, know, yeah. it's like, it's yeah. this automatic, just resistance all the time. And it's just automatic, like, no, you know, and it's like, no, yeah, yeah. You know, you didn't even hear my question or like, you didn't even let me finish what I was saying, you know, just immediately. No. And I think that, you know, kind of being reminded of like where that may be coming from could be yeah. really helpful. And then I loved what you said earlier too about, you know, what really was probably the tipping point for you to grow as an influencer was really just starting to really kind of share that that real stuff and getting yeah. rid of that surface and writing a lot because that's that is how you process. So it it's like a photographer who processes through shooting. Um, yeah. You know, it's through an eye. Yeah. I mean, and, and what you said, oh gosh, what was it? It was so good. And I was like, wait, I have to think on that. You said, um, oh, 
never mind, keep going. It, it'll come to me, but you said something and I was like, yes, oh, yes. defensiveness. If you think of what being defensive is, it, you know, what, as humans we're crafted to be defensive when we're in danger, it's out of fear. Mm-hmm. So most of the times when we respond defensively, it's because we're fearful of something. We're fearful. We're going to lose something. We're fearful of, you know, anything that could happen. We're fearful of the unknown. So it's that, that's really where that comes from. I think the defensive stuff is, is fear. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And just the ego. Yeah. Of yeah. That. Um, yeah. what would you tell someone if they were coming to you today and they asked you like, okay, how, how can I be more authentic? How can I, how can I, how can I discover that even more? Cause I feel like I'm doing everything that I can do. You know, I honestly, I, whenever I talk to people about that, I always say, what, what do you love? You know, what do you really love? Sit down and write it down. If you're lost, which a lot of people are, you know, what is such a great book. And I don't know if you recommend this, but the artist's way is the best book. It requires you to be disciplined, which is excellent when you're a creative or someone wanting to get into a world because it makes you write every morning which it's not like, it it seems like it's for writers, but what it really is doing is it kind of clears out the clutter of your brain. And so what it did for me, and this is, and this was a big moment too. I did that 12 weeks of this like creative exploration. Each time I've done it, I've done it twice. Each time I do it, so many magical, crazy things start happening that I have to stop because I get so busy. It's happened twice. So whenever people feel stuck, I say, please go read Julia Cameron's, um, the artist way, because first of all, it'll help clear the clutter. The second thing is, is it really got me clear? Cause I'd already done this for beauty frosting. I'd written down everything I loved and all the things that make me happy and all that. But what it does is go further and say, and I'm working on a book right now. That's kind of about finding joy and everything. So it's funny because some of the things I will be alluding to this book because it's, you know, it really taught me quite a bit, but there was this one part And it said, you know, write down like an order of what you love. I think it is like all the things you would be if you had nothing stopping you. Now, this is what was interesting on mine. I wrote down actor, singer, songwriter, uh, TV host, um, philanthropist, which again, made no sense because I was like a struggling creative, um, a socialite, which made me laugh because my parents would kill me if I ever said that out loud, uh, a party planner. Uh, what else did I say? Oh, and a children's book author. Okay. So these are all the things I wrote down. Oh, and a politician, politician. I write all these things down. I had one day about two years after that. So this is probably like 2014 and I'm walking down the street and I'm going, or it's 2015. I'm going to shoot a movie that day. I just had a voiceover audition. I had hosted an event the day before I was hosting another event the next day. And I was going to be on a TV show that following week. And then I just finished my 14th kids book that I was going to take to an agent. And what was the other one? Oh, and I had been to a, and I had a party to go to that night and I was going to Arkansas for no good hungry. And I was walking, I remember exactly where I was walking on a street in my neighborhood. And I was like, Oh my God, I manifested everything I wanted to be. And I mean, and that's the thing though, is like, I think the worst thing we tell kids is pick what you want to be because I am absolutely living proof. I I think it's almost like I have career ADD in terms of like, I can't, I can't be one thing because what I do best is do a lot of things at once. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, writing this book is going to be really interesting because I'm going to have to sit down and write every day and get it done. Mm -hmm. But 
don't just pick one thing. It's like, if you are not just into fashion, but you love fashion and beauty and art, then you talk about fashion and beauty and art because that will define your voice. Mm -hmm. And if you like, like me, if you like beauty and baking and entertaining and charity, you know, if that was like how I started, let's say, then do all those things and then see how it comes out. You also don't have to be perfect. So like, if you go back to my first post on beauty frosting, which you can still see on beautyfrosting.com, like the old blog, I mean, I would write, like, I'd have like a cupcake post and I'd be like, these delicious cupcakes are what I crafted when I blah, 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 blah. And it was like also cutesy writing and it was kind of little girlish. And it's kind of fun to see that like with beauty frosting, I was like at the end of my little girl, like my girl age. And then when I started, I am Don McCoy, my handle changed because I didn't want to be called beauty frosting anymore. Cause I go to parties and people would be like, Hey, beauty frosting. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh God, no, I will forever oh be beauty frosting. I know. So I changed it. And I always tell people too, if you can keep your name, I always say like, don't, if you, if you have a, if you have like a blog name, like if it's, you know, cupcakes and cashmere and your Emily Schumann, then be sure to secure your name on it hand on your, like your name handle on all social media, as well as your quote brand name, because I'll tell you, I lost mine. I lost Don McCoy. Mm -hmm. I had it. And that was, it has been a pain. So that's like the best little trick I can tell you too. It's so true. Yeah. So, okay. So naysayers, bad people that are negative. I had that recently. I hadn't had that since Palm Springs. And I will say the best way to handle it is I mean, probably not what I did, but I, I responded to a comment on Instagram. It was actually direct messages. And I responded from a really loving place. And I tried to relate and understand and talk to someone the way I would want to be talked to. And it didn't work (laughs) and it sucked and it hurt. And I ended up being really depressed the rest of the day. And I realized I give so much of my life on here that there are some people that are going to feel like they have access to everything. And I understand that's what I do. I, I let them feel like that, but I have a choice of what I respond to. Mm -hmm. And so if it's something where I've never blocked anybody, unless it's like absolutely vulgar, because I have kids on my site, like I do have teens that follow me and stuff and I don't want them to see that. But when it comes to like responding to people, um, I don't block, like a lot of people had told me to block this one person because they had sent me a number of direct messages and had been kind of insulting. And I said, you know, I don't think I can. I said, I think we're supposed to see something in each other. We're supposed to learn from each other. I won't respond to this person ever again, but maybe they'll glean what they need to glean from seeing my, you know, they watch mm-hmm. every single Insta story I do every right. single one. And it's know. like, maybe they need to learn from it. Yeah. And maybe I need to learn from them. So mm-hmm. who knows? And I want to, um, before we start to kind of wrap this up, I want to take what you said about the artist way a little bit farther, because I think that it's, you know, you said like without fear of failure or, you know, if you could do anything and how did you word it? Cause I don't want to mess it up. You said, like she said, if you can oh, do, it's like, if you could do any, if you could be anything you wanted career wise, or if you could do anything you wanted for a living, like not even that you had to make money or anything, but if money wasn't an option, if boundaries weren't an option, what would you do? Right. Like, you know, and you without, do anything you wanted. Right. Without failure, without falling, without yes. messing up. But I would even say like, and even if you do fail and even if you do fall, still do it anyway. Oh, absolutely. You, you know, can't, you, you have no idea. I mean, I think of doing that blog and I mean, 
you know, I don't really even have a blog anymore. Like when people say I'm a blogger, I'm like, I'm actually not a blogger. I basically take my Instagram and that just goes into a blog place now called the inspiration. Right. But it's just because some people don't want to go on social media. I would say when it comes to starting something, Oh, I, I said this to someone recently. I said passionately, by the way, because I was telling them not to quit their job. I always tell people, do not quit your day job. <laughs> Make sure you're making money because you never want to do something and resent it. Right. You're very it. careful with telling people not to mortgage their home off too. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying it can't be done, but I'm saying, right. you know, when I started my blog, I was working a job. I was a voiceover actor. I was doing all this stuff. I was working really hard otherwise. And then I'd come home and do four hours of additional work on my blog and photos mm-hmm. and all of that. So when as an influencer, you do have to be mindful of that because there are people out there that are literally taking everything that you say with such truth and yeah. conviction. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if you, if you want to start something and you feel passionate and you're being honest about it, it's not for the money or the fame, but it's because you really, you love it. It's, it's something you're passionate about and you want to do it, then do it anyway and just start it. And honestly, if you, if you love it, then most likely you'll be rewarded with something, whether it be new friends or a new voice, or maybe you find out you're a great writer, or maybe you find out you hate it and you want to be a painter or whatever it is, but like it will lead you to where you're supposed to go and, and really pay attention to, you know, as I said, I call it getting a hit, but it's like, it could be, it's just a deep instinct. It's your intuition. It's what is, what is the thing that's speaking to you? Is there something that is speaking to you and you're not really paying attention to it. And you're like, well, but that would just take a lot of work. And I don't really have time for that. And I'm a full-time mom and I work and I, but if there's something kind of that keeps tap, tap, tapping at you, like, Hey, listen to me, listen to me. And it's because you maybe you're supposed to write a book or whatever it is. Just start doing a little bit every day. Do one thing every day to do what you love and do one thing just for you every day, because Life is too short not to, and sometimes it will end up being your your life's passion, purpose, and career. Yep. I would love for you to share, you know, we talk about trends a lot on the show, um, and sometimes, you know, we talk, you know, like the trends that you see coming up in the influencer space. Um, Some people talk about literal trends, you know, whether it's programs or new platforms or what that, or what whatnot, but as, as a creative and as a writer and as, as a content curator that you are, I would love to know your take on what kind of shifts or trends that you see happening or, or will be had in the influencer space come the next 12 months that are more energy driven, that are more content driven, that are more, uh, deeper. I think you're going to see, and I've already been seeing it. I think that there were people that started out that had a ton of followers and they would write very, uh, I'm trying to think of a nice diplomatic word. They would write about that. No, I can't. They would write about vapid stuff. It would be like, um, there was not much of their personality coming up. It was, uh, it was stuff that people have been doing for six years. So it was like, check out this new, you know, this new coat. And that would be it. I've noticed that those people have just gone down and down and down. Like the engagement has lessened. They used to have more engagement. I think also, you know, I know the algorithm, it drives everybody crazy. I pay no attention to that algorithm. I'm sorry. I just don't, Mm -hmm. I, I I can't control it. I can't do anything. I'm going to write what I'm going to write and whoever's supposed to see it's going to see it. I, that's what I think. Yep. But I don't know why I turned into like the ultimate Southern woman saying that, by the way, I don't, I don't pay any attention. Well, no, I, I think that it really does like, 
you, you have to get to a place as a, as a uh, creative, especially on the influencer space, to just not care about those things because there's nothing that you can do to control or change it. Nothing. Oh, yeah. Nothing. Yeah. It's, it's kind of futile. And I'll see people start paying attention to it. And I see it suffer. You know, their account kind of suffers because of it, because mm-hmm. they're not they're not engaging as much because they're scared of something or whatever. But I have noticed that when it is more superficial stuff, it isn't, it isn't doing as well. So the people that used to be able to get away with like, look at this pretty picture of me and I'm here and look at the shoes. And then like you use the affiliate link and that's it. I've heard them complain a lot that their, their engagement has gone down and they blame the algorithm. I would argue it's probably because they're not saying as much about what, why do they love the shoes? Mm-hmm. Why do they love the coat? Why, why is where this have they been that? walking in those shoes? Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, but at the same time, I also have seen people and I mean, I've, and I have other friends that do it well too. I mean, I have a few friends that write, you know, chapters <laughs> as their posts. And so it doesn't work for you if you're not a writer, if you, if you are not a good writer writing paragraphs and you're misspelling and you can't edit and you don't have grammar skills, it's not going to work for you. So keep it short, but maybe you're using a quote or maybe you're saying a feeling that speaks to you, or maybe it's even one word like happy or, I mean, whatever it is, but it's just, it's like, try to think of writing on social media, the way you speak. And if you're putting things on social media and you don't talk like that, well, that doesn't, that's not going to work for you. And that's where I see people really suffering is because then you meet them in person and they don't speak like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Show so, up. Yeah. Be the same person on social media that you are in real life. That's a really good start. Yes. Um, so I wrap up every conversation with this question. What does influence mean to you? Hmm. Um, you know, the first thing that came to mind was shaping, but, um, it sounds really like Stephen Kingish. So what I'll say instead is, um, it's sharing your voice. It's, um, it's letting people hear your voice and engaging with them. Actually, I don't want to use the word engaging, having a conversation with them. And, um, and, you know, and that's really important to me. I, I love, I love sharing my voice, but I also reply to every possible comment I can mm-hmm. because I, I realize it's a two way street and all social media is, and anyone who wants to argue this with me, we can have a field day, but look there, I'm being defensive. Um, but, if, but what all social media is, is we're all just wanting to be seen mm-hmm. more frequently. So mm-hmm. I want to be seen, you want to be seen, and we want to have this communication. So I think that influence is sharing your voice and listening to others also. Mm, Thank you so much for that, Don. And thank you for being just such a great observer. I mean, I think some of the greatest writers in the world are the greatest observers and you're such an amazing observer of this space, which allows you to be so successful in this space. So thank you so much. What a kind thing to say. Thank you. Yes. I thank you for that. Um, so I would love for you to share where everyone again, just before we patch off can find you online. Sure. Um, you can find me, gosh, you can't miss me. Um, (laughs) um, on Instagram, it's at I am Dawn McCoy. That's I A M D A W N M C C O Y. You can also find me on Instagram on dine and dish with Dawn. That is all my food pictures and all of the food events I do and all the podcasts and TV stuff. That's dine and dish with Dawn. And then you have my blog, dawnspiration.com. That's just like inspiration, but instead of in, it's Dawn. And where else can you find me? Oh, 
I'm going to be in a, you'll hear my voice on Subaru soon and Dine and Dish is starting next week. I think it's starting up again. And I think, oh, Twitter's I am Don McCoy too. And Facebook is Don McCoy official. I think that's everything. It's a lot. <laughs> Yay. Good. Well, if you are listening today and you want to dive deeper into this conversation, I would love for you to check out the show notes of this episode where I lay out some of the most important takeaways and tips and books um, that Don shared with us today. And you can find those show notes at www.theinfluencerpodcast.com. Don, thank you so much again. Thank you for your creative spirit and your willingness to show up and be seen. Thank you so much. And thank you for seeing me. Bye all. Good luck out there. Are you ready to create your own industry leading influence for show notes, downloads, and action-based tips head to www.theinfluencerpodcast.com where you can find out more about this week's episode guest and our host, Julie Solomon. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please take a minute to go to iTunes and leave a review so we can help other influencers like yourself build their own successful business.